that caused them to be highly ineffectual <laughs> in the regular human kind of realm. Which is, is oh yeah, it's something that I continue to struggle with because uh, what are you going to do? You can't help it. The impulses just are constantly incorrect. <laughs> but you know, part of being a man in today's world, Dianas. <laughs> yes, yes. Is, is carrying that burden, that knowledge of our, our, of our insufficiencies and, you know, just finding a way to carry on in spite of I see. And, you know, keep, like, taking out the garbage and stuff, you know, when it's called for, so that it's not, it's not to cause any undue friction. <sighs> and then, knowing the, when the appropriate moment comes to say, It's 8.38 a.m. Saturday, July the 10th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane What's with the pup? Well, it's, you know, you Small kind of, town, nothing to do? Yeah, small town, <laughs> nothing to do. Got it, got it. Well, here we are in the Sunstripes. Uh, is it midsummer yet, please? Please let it, someone I say I don't know it. what midsummer is. I don't know either. But, you know, Diane, I got to say, summer... It's not your friend. Summer is, is not... Uh, Plus, I wonder if summer is becoming more uh, frightening because of the whole global warming thing. You know, it seems like when you think the most about global warming when you're the warmest, I would think. Well, my supervisor, Maria, was going to go down and uh, she was going to be in the Death Valley area at Palm Springs yesterday. And it was going to be 130 degrees down there. Yeah, I can't even comprehend 130 you know, degrees i think once it gets over 105 it's kind of like if it gets below 25 degrees outside all you know is that it's bite ass cold you don't it's not like it's it minus 10 feels a lot like plus 10 except minus 10 your eyes balls start to freeze you know if you're out walking so you know anything over 105 it's just all you know is that it's you're under constant threat of death. You just get to have this feeling yeah, in your the, body. Yeah, the very that fact is... that that is called Death Valley from previous times. Right, and you, you expect, oh you expect unheard of temperatures in Death Valley, but 130 uh, seems extreme. Yeah. It does seem extreme. And having been, you know, I, I think I probably, when I was working in the outdoors, I probably worked in temperatures in the upper 90s. Yeah. I don't think I ever was working when it was over 100 degrees. I don't think anybody would have asked me or expected me to work outside in that kind of weather, except maybe in the early part of the day. So, I don't know, but I was young. It didn't bother me as much, and I had a river to go to, you know, where you could just... Dunk your head in. Not just even dunk your head, just immerse yourself totally in it and lay in it for five minutes until you were totally numb, come out and be cool for two hours. It's quite remarkable. And you needed that that particular kind of uh, extreme combination of heat and cold for the cold to really work, you know. It doesn't work as well at 85 degrees as it does at 100 degrees. So, But I'm, we may have strayed off topic. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> I 
I was talking about sunstripes. You were talking about how threatening the summers are now oh, that yeah. the temperatures are rising. Right. right. See, you That's, know. We, so we weren't off topic. But we the, were exactly you're on, right. topic. We, we're on topic. But that leads directly to the psychological ramifications wherein I must acknowledge, and I repeat this to myself daily now. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Because my friend Tim, who is my, also my guru, ah, reminded me that I'm like this every summer. That I have a complex wherein in the summertime when I'm when my body hurts the worst, I become a kind of a miserable kind of guy. And think a lot about, you know, death and, you know Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. Darkest parts of the geopolitical you boy. landscape and that's good coffee. So I look for uh, I look for lighter things. One of the lighter things I found this week that sparked an amazing conversations in my life. Um, and I don't know, did I find it or did someone point it out to me? No, I think I just saw it when I was browsing around YouTube. This report that they had done this last week on the PBS NewsHour about millennials and boomers. This kind of the based on a meme that I guess has been circulating around that I've heard about a couple of times called OK Boomer, and uh, which is a uh, kind of reflects a, uh, an attitude in some part, of, some portion of the millennial generation that the baby boomers have kind of screwed the world. And uh, I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. Because my immediate response was, yeah, I used to feel that way too. There's a period of time in your mid-20s to your early 30s where you're looking at your parents in a different kind of way than you ever have before. And part of it is because you're coming into possession of a of a certain knowledge of your own powerlessness in the larger world. Where did that power go? And I think it's, you, at that point in life, you're, you're looking for somebody to blame. And your parents are the easiest targets. So, uh, watching this thing, it was very interesting because it didn't go exactly the direction I expected it to. It was a two-part report done over two nights. And it totals about 15 minutes for the total report. I think it's about nine minutes the first one and six and six and change for the second one. But they, they talked to four different uh, millennials who are economically challenged uh, in ways that our generation was not. They were college graduates, too. All college graduates. Um, you know, one guy was, you know, had, had served in the military honorably. He said, I've never failed a class. I've never, I've never been late to work. I'm, you know. This kind of stuff, and they're just looking at their economic possibilities, and you know, and things like buying a house and paying off college debt, uh, the cost of college. So, like a one woman that has two hundred thousand dollars in college loans, she has to pay back, and you know, how those kinds of things were not true, and when we were young, when we grew up in an era where the schools were well cared for, where the roads were took us anywhere, there was opportunity by virtue of the infrastructure being operating well uh, that we benefited from, and it's no longer true. And so they were kind of talking about the economic trends, uh, the different things over those years that had caused this wealth gap in the country and how it's affecting the younger people in terms of career possibilities and the ideas of a fulfilling life and to have the things that their parents had. So I, you know, I just thought this was really interesting. I mean, I, 
and you know, we, you and I talked about it after watching the first one, which was basically the millennials' perspective. And may I also say that uh, that 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 particular episode also featured an author of a book who basically was the. The title of the book was something about baby boomers being sociopaths. Right. Generation of of sociopaths or something like that. The the baby boomer or something. So. I think it was the the guy who was the reporter. I can't remember. I should have gotten his name. He's a regular contributor on the PBS NewsHour. He's an economics reporter. And uh, so... I didn't really understand how the economics part of the story was going to be played out. And it was the economics part of the story that just grabbed hold of me. Yeah. And really made me think, like, wow, these things are true. What has happened to tax codes in our lifetime and what, is the, what that has meant for the crumbling of our infrastructure because that infrastructure was built at a time where the rich were paying a much higher percentage of taxes and corporations were being taxed and people hadn't learned how to shelter money offshore in in shell corporations and things like that a lot lot the lawyers have worked very hard in our generation to figure out ways for the rich to pay less in taxes and to and to hide their wealth so anyway all these things were very much true and it was all couched in this perspective of the millennials saying the boomers let this happen and uh, so you and I talked after the first one. We hadn't the, the second one hadn't hadn't aired yet when we were discussing this. And you know there was a I don't know. Do you want to? Anytime well, you want to jump into oh, this. Oh right. Fine. Well, I basically my my interest because you were saying that my my take on it was personal, and I was saying that's the way that the reporter was even yeah um, it was doing it, it because it, every time that. Uh, a panel member would talk about the boomers, he'd say, you mean me, you mean I have done this. And they always took, uh, they looked taken aback when he said that sort of like, oh, well, you know, not you, you know, or they would say, well, uh, the author of the book said, yeah, you. you. And, and I, I was saying at the time that my own concept is that it's an easy mark to blame a generation uh, when, when in fact, most generations, and this is from the aspect of being older. Right. When I was younger, I did not, you know, you've said oftentimes I'm a mutant, but yeah. I didn't really blame my parents' generation <coughs> for what was going on. No, um, but when you, took you, when you took your own path. Yeah, it was different than my parents. It was but, a different path, and I would imagine that their critique of you during that time made you angry. Yeah, and it did. You, and you felt like yours path was a truer path perhaps than the path they had been on. Uh, for me. Yeah, right. Exactly. I didn't feel like the, the path they were on was wrong. Well, exactly, see, people but... tend to generalize. People tend to generalize. And I think when, when the reporter said, you mean me, I think what the response was, and the, the one woman said it very well. She said, boomer is just a word to use as a place marker. Right. You know, it becomes a generality uh, in the in the in the way that Kleenex is, you know, is a generality, you know, things like that. It's a it's a just a way to couch a particular viewpoint. And well, 
But so because I don't think anyone were any other one of them were blaming that man personally, even the author. What he but the author's point was the people who were in power were allowed to do these things, you know, and were and got through it untouched. They were doing things that were subverting what had previously been true in the country in terms of the way the economics were distributed and nobody was calling them on it or if they were they weren't calling them on it loud enough and the people who were calling them on it were said to be radicals or socialists that whole political argument was reborn in the Reagan era yeah it had, it had existed before in history and if you listen to Heather Cox Richardson you know that all of this stuff has happened before but, you know, well, that's the, I guess a, that's a, my point. There's is a cycle, an economic cycle, a social cycle that our generation benefited from and our children do not have. But uh, I, well, I can't really talk about it without going into the second one that well, was the boomer's response. The second, the second part of the, of the because my was the baby boomer's response. But, but that night when we first watched that without the baby boomer's response, my my thoughts were centering around something that I, uh, a brilliant sketch by George Carlin that was actually quite philosophically sound, where he was basically saying that the the people who are wealthy, who are trying to rip everybody off, try to get everybody to point fingers at everything, like right. race, and, and I was saying, and age, and whatever they can do Generation. so that they can continue, yeah. continue to do this. Yeah. Because for me, I felt like, man, I didn't get to reap all the benefits that are being done by the tax codes. I've right. always lived a pretty nominal financial life. One of... But for me, I do believe that there are things that every generation is guilty of. And there is, uh, to my mind, no way that we can, uh, like when we say, well, we didn't stop it. I feel like most people are just trying to live. They're just trying to survive in the world. I'm saying, so. when I, and you say, but in this kind of context, when I say we, I'm talking about our generation. The people we elected to be, to protect those things in our that were true about our country failed to do so and we didn't get them out of there. I mean, you know, it's, it's nebulous because we have very limited power as individuals, but on, during the time when our generation has been in power, these things have been allowed to happen. So that's that's the frame of the argument, not it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. But nonetheless, I think it's a short-sighted vision. It's and, part of, yeah, it's partial. And vision. that was so. When the baby bombers responded, they brought up every point that I was yeah, thinking. I know. It was like they had the exact same discussion that you and I had been having for the whole exactly. day. Exactly, because yeah. especially, uh, I really appreciate. So they they once again had a panel, and they they had an author that was basically writing a response to right. the whole boomer right. blaming thing. Yeah. And he was basically pointing out that a lot of the situations that have been occurring, for example, in the climate change, which was also a, a thing that they were talking about, mm-hmm. was brought about over the since the Industrial Revolution yeah. in incremental stages, which is my thought, is that every generation has its problems and its dilemmas, and but the thing that I loved was that that author said 
But I like OK Boomer because every younger generation has to poke its finger in the eye of the previous it generation. To, it it's it's yeah. the, the necessity of the rebellion. So I am in total agreement with that. But what I guess I liked about hearing the the boomers response is that first of all it showed the gaining of wisdom over years yeah. it showed that these people all recognized that we were born in a fortunate time and that could we have made more of it they they were basically pointing out some of the things that had occurred during our lifetime right and the guy the guy when they were talking about the tax cuts and the and the stratifying of the wealth, the guy one guy was saying, "I never voted for anything like that." I, Nor I, did I. I tried so to that's... elect people who were against those kinds of things. I right. used my my power in this democracy to cast my vote, and I didn't vote for any of those things. That's right. So, but the thing that is really interesting to me about this, and now I'm going to circle around into more private. Uh... Okay. Uh, uh, was there something else you wanted well, to say no, about, about that? the report? Okay. It was just interesting to me in the framing of the of the segments around the authors and their respective books. First, you had the angry author looking at everything that had gone wrong. Then you had the not so angry author looking at everything that had gone right. And that is what you were saying about every generation has things to be ashamed of and things to be proud of and our children's generation is going to suffer the same critiques and enjoy the same kind of triumphs it's just a generational norm it's the way and i remember you know that was the thing when i was watching that boomer segment or the millennial segment i remembered being that guy because i remembered there was a time when i was somewhere between 25 and 30 probably where i started to realize that i was not going to have as I did not have the opportunities that my parents had had and that I was not going to be able to live the life that my parents had lived. And if I was ever to own a home or something like that, I would have to luck into something because the, the way I had structured my life intentionally was not going to lead me to a, uh, a house with a picket fence and a car in the garage and, a, you know, and you know, 2.3 children or whatever. And it wasn't going to happen by my own efforts. You know, and that was a that was a moment of looking back on it. It was a moment of recognition of a sense of how powerless everyone is to control their destiny in that kind of way, in an economic way. You can luck into it. You can come up with an idea that catches on. You can write a great song that everybody likes and listens to. You know, there are things like that that could have happened, but that was not. There was no way I could guarantee that every life is a crapshoot you are taking a step and hopefully you are taking a step towards something you love that's what you can control and that's what we're that's what human life is about well, and the I economic think that stuff like that is controlled by other forces in other rooms and they, they could not be farther from my life right. where those where those strings are pulled where those things are done is it's it's like on another in another galaxy from where my life is centered well so who's wrong in that and is it my fault that those guys are still pulling those strings back there i don't know that i can claim to be at fault for that well and also i guess the thing that i want to react to as well is 
it's almost like somehow our generation, the way that they were representing it, shared no good into the world. And I felt like as I was listening to that, I thought of all the the artists that have come into mm-hmm. to play during this time, the the psychology, the uh, the things that are helping other people. And I was thinking about something that, because I went through my life coaching um, just yesterday, and I was realizing that that we are trying to redefine an ideal. Our generation was trying to redefine the ideal way of living, of, of trying to be more... Uh, I, and we didn't succeed all the way, let's no, say. No. But, but one of the things that uh, just the, the little diversion I'm going to take about this is that I suddenly realized that a lot of the things that I'm doing through my life coaching is trying to envision what an ideal older life would be. Because there is no showing of that in, in our society. Well, won't the the millennials benefit from that rather than having this, uh, you know, all of the things that we are exploring because we were fortunate. I think that the millennials do reap a benefit, although it wasn't an economic one of which we have no control. Right. But the the ideas that have permeated our generation I do not believe are truly selfish sociopathic no, no, ideas. No. And I it's think... it's uh, it's something on uh, political economic. Right, and that's where this rep- that's what this report was about. Remember, right. this is the economics reporter for the PBS NewsHour who's doing this thing. So it's about the money. That's right. That's what this. Nonetheless, this story he, was about. All of these people were saying, yeah. "How much control did I have in that?" Yeah, exactly. And that's the, the, the conclusion was they had no control. Over right. It. That we were born in a fortunate time or were we wrong for being born then? Yeah, I mean, that like, was, it's like that the, was the way it was. If you were born during the Depression, whose fault was that? You know. And the, they brought up that during the the greatest generation, the, as they were named, the my parents' generation, mm-hmm. that those were the people who, after they came home from the war, that they bravely and gloriously fought, that some of that generation and it wasn't all of them but they were the ones who created the suburbs that did not allow other races oh, and oh. you know that they had issues with homosexuality and yeah, those so, at those fortunate economic times that we were born into had all kinds of problems that's right you know that aren't even part of this conversation because this conversation was about the economics of it and i, I just thought that the economics reporting part of this story was very illuminating to me and it also reaffirmed something that I had kind of had in the back of my mind for a long time I think what has happened to the country is based I mean the bad things that have happened to our infrastructure and to our schools and to our the cost of college and the likelihood of younger people being able to afford a house has to do with tax codes yeah and how that has changed in our lifetime and how it has funneled riches to the wealthy and away from the middle class. 
That's right. That was very much reaffirmed by the story. And it's worth watching just for that. But it's also amazing to me the conversation that this has sparked. And I think it's, it's been very educational in that it sparks this conversation about, okay, and, you know, you and I were great representatives because you were taking it more personally. I was looking at it through my little economic lens, which is, you know, I'm not educated in any way, but I've had this idea for a while. So that was where, what I was taking from. Well, what I was saying is, but, I but the feel, way that this was uh, I, presented I was even, but it because was, the reporter was saying, so you're saying yeah, me. Yeah, but I mean, and that was, I thought that was very clever. None the, nonetheless, what I, what I guess I'm saying is, for me, I was saying, instead of seeing it as it's your generation's fault that this occurred, I would much rather have that panel watch something like Manufacturing Consent mm-hmm. um, uh, that lays out the information from Noam Chomsky yeah. to show how this has been going for a long time, yeah, how this has happened. Right. Because to say that anything has happened within a generation is so misguided. And that's, I think, why I like the summary of the the man who had authored the book that was in defense of the boomer generation, because I love the fact that in the end he circled around and said, but it's the job of the younger generation right. to poke its fingers in the eye of the older. Right. And even the fact that he said that shows something about our generation that I think is a little different than some of the previous generations of don't speak unless you're spoken to. And, you know, uh, I don't think that my parents' generation, for example, felt that rebellion was a natural and good course. So to my mind, some of the ways that our generation thinks and the acceptance of challenge from the younger generation, to my mind, is actually something that we should be applauded for. Yeah. Yeah, that a, that, a, that a, we will advanced. actually accept it and say, yeah, you're right. We did, we didn't, uh, we had some issues that we feel guilty about, and yet a lot of these things are happening on our watch, and we're trying to also work with these ideas and. Um, yeah. But the idea and carry of, them forward, uh, the that idea of inching the, it forward. Of the rebellion as a viable means of communicating a thing was something that came about in the 60s. Right. I think that, that was really, in this country at least, was born in that period of time. Now, there have been, there have been organizations, there have been uh, demonstrations, mostly around labor issues prior to that in our country, but for a political stance like being against the war in Vietnam or something like that, yeah, that that was activated by people who were baby boomers. Right. So, I but know, but I it's, like it's, it's interesting. It's almost like it's part of the. It's part of growing up. It's that kind of a late stage of maturing is to be confronted with your own powerlessness and be pissed off about it. Yeah. You know, I feel when I of that per same period of time where I was looking at my parents in that different way, I was also trying my hand at being an activist. Right. You know, I was going with Jim and to, you know, protests down in downtown Seattle in front of the in front of the city hall. And and it was there was a couple of instances that were extremely challenging to me. And that's when I knew I couldn't be I could never be Jim Page. I could never 
dedicate myself to that thing. I was dedicated to a different thing. And I admired Jim and stuff like that, but I could not be him. Well, the, the whole idea of your youth is that you are in an, you have an idealized idea of what you can accomplish in a lifetime. And right. some people, by the time they get to our age, feel a great deal of regret that they weren't able to achieve that ideal. And for me, I, I never felt that that ideal for me was uh, political either. So uh, I was always trying to establish something within myself that would would go out into society rather than trying to change society to go up yeah. into the individual. Yeah. And that's just a different focus. That, yeah, uh, to and my it's mind, just a it's type, just a different type of person. It's focus. the way your brain is wired. It's exactly. You know, something like that. I mean, I, uh, you know, I have never thought once that Jim was on the wrong path. <laughs> no, I've always I... thought that this is one of the most directed people I have ever seen. He knows who he is. He is doing himself completely uh, every day. So you, uh, there well, are a few people in my life that I can say that I have that much admiration for, for doing the thing that I do. You know, he is good at it. I'm just, my focus is not his focus. So. But I feel like it's, I've always thought of, of the collective as a body. Yeah. I mean, like a literal body, that every cell in your body has a different function. And we can't all be brain cells, and we can't all be toenail cells, you know. Toenail what? Toenail cells. Toenail cells. You know that it's like, it's like it my, would be like you'd be in one big toenail or I know, one big I know. brain. It's like my it's like my bookcase upstairs full of poet poetry. You know, it's all poetry, but it is there's no, nothing the same about it exactly. after that. Exactly, and everybody that, has to speak to their own yeah. to their own soul's urgings and and yeah. all that. And, but and and it's the fortunate few who even get the opportunity to do that. And so, you know, if people of any generation can grasp onto that and put their life energy toward that in themselves. I don't think there's anything really to complain about because you live a full life in whatever circumstance you are. It's a question of how, what you train your brain on. And you pass through a period of your life where you're looking outward for, uh, you know, you're trying on the radical the the dissident face you're trying on the dissident cloak and uh, so it's an interest it was interesting how much conversation came out of that story but it was a very educational piece in 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 the economic sense for me well and one of the things that you had said to me is that you had had a conversation with a friend that we were going to be considered the worst generation and i I just really object to those sorts of generalizations. I I object to them. Because uh, what do you mean the worst? Well, the worst of what? He's talking about the missed opportunities in our lifetime to do something about climate change. Right. That was the conversation that that came out of 
But I I believe that that there has been effort, but nothing moves that fast. When we're talking about generations, we're talking about, and and I think this is a good time to just talk about the music I chose for today. Because I was already thinking about the Indigo Girls. And I, I suddenly realized that I hadn't really listened to anything that they had written recently. So I was... I was uh, very interested in what they might have done as a new recording and found a new recording. It was from 2020. And the, the recording itself is called Look Long. And so the reason I'm going to just bring that up right now is that is... That's what we're talking about. The thing. Yeah. Look long. Because if you look at generations as some sort of... I mean, like we are a fraction, like a little infinitesimal piece of this long existence, this long experiment of human nature. And I feel like in my own lifetime that I am constantly adapting to what happens to me. You know, you get an injury, you have to adapt to that. You're, And that is the way I think of the generations something happens the the generation reacts they try to to make something happen but but man just working in a state government institution for the university of washington i see how things can't just turn on a dime things are gradually turning so i still believe that the the our generation was gradually turning as fast as is allowed and there's the problem that's what the story is about is what's allowed well but (laughs) what i guess i'm saying is then you have to say the reason why it's not allowed to go faster is because not everybody agrees with you you know, like even in this this story, they were saying 50% of the people were voting against the tax codes and 50% were voting for them and all that. Right. So, so for me, I feel like the people who are forward looking and saying, oh my God, we've got climate change issues. They are working towards changing that. Yeah. I mean, the very fact that a lot of innovations came about during this time I, we are or in, even the focus or the conversation yeah you have we have nothing to to argue about in that you and I are on exactly the same page with that what I think is that what's unfortunate is that there's no way to communicate that back to a younger person because what we have that they don't have is the long look we don't, but they will get they it. They will get it, but they don't. They, you don't. I didn't know when I was twenty-five that really? I would have this perspective at sixty-three. I didn't know that I'd be alive at sixty-three, at twenty-five, or thirty. Well, and but so, that's what I have said from right. the from a long time ago. I always said the thing that's so interesting is by the time you get to the age you are, you understand all the previous generations' um, ideas. I mean the. Yeah, the previous generation's ideas from a different standpoint than you did when you were young, and you might regret that you were so rough on your parents. Right. So they will have the same, uh, when they get to our age and they 
it have figured out that yeah we didn't move everything forward as fast and as well as we had hoped either <laughs> but um it just is so amazing to me that this song came into my focus during this time because it is talking about the whole thing yeah, yeah. and uh for me and i hope for other people the the last verse just powerfully impacted me and literally made me weep when i when i heard it it's one of the things that the that indigo girls do, do so well they deliver uh, uh, emotion in a song they build very well yeah. the last there's so many indigo girl songs where the last verse just go <laughs> kill me now you know? i think of songs like ghost and things like that it's just like or um, galileo you know those that's just really good songwriting well the reason why i love the indigo girls and always have since i first heard them is because they they give they give themselves and therefore the listeners the right to air yeah. And I that's really why, love why. that. We should play Galileo instead of Closer to Okay, the it's the that's same, fine. It's the same song, basically, but it's yeah, it's, let's... it's couched in a, in a broader, uh, it uses a broader palette to paint the same picture, basically. You know? Is that well, a... well, just to know that, <laughs> that if you want to, you can listen to Closer to Fine, yes. you can listen to Galileo, you, you can true. listen to Ghost, you you can, can, yeah. but you really need to listen to this first one. Right. Look long, Look long, which speaks to all these things and also gives me hope yeah. and makes me remember that we, in our generations, in ourselves, we are going to stumble, we are going to fall, and that is how we learn and that's how we grow as generations, as people. We don't do it by doing everything right. We right. don't do it by... Uh, I think that that's what life is about anyway, right. is the stumbling and falling and the falling and getting up and, and falling and getting it, up. Right. What you learn so. from it and when you, when you realize at some point in life is that wisdom is made out of mistakes. You know, it's made out of mistakes. Yeah. So that's why I say perfect thing to say at the end of our our discussion about the generations look along
In your lifetime, 